Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Sadenberg on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Uh, what a day it was in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the trade deadline uh, came and went, and the biggest news, Juan Soto traded from the Nationals along with his teammate Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres. Uh, but there was plenty more moves that were made here on uh, Tuesday, and of course, at the end of the day, uh, at the, the Tuesday, here on Tuesday night, we found out the passing of a legend, Vin Scully, uh, passing away at the age of 94, legendary, iconic uh, Dodgers broadcaster. Uh, taking a look at the trade deadline, some of the deals that went down here at the deadline, uh, the Brewers got Trevor Rosenthal from the Giants, he had been uh, recovering from injury, and so the Brewers now, not only do they trade away Josh Hader and they bring back uh, Tyler Rogers from the Padres, but they also get veteran reliever Trevor Rosenthal, so he'll join the team as well. The Braves get some bullpen depth by getting a closer, Rysel Iglesias, from the Angels, and I assume he will slide in and become their new closer and it just helps the Braves shorten the game. Um, you know, they, they they are serious contenders. I think Iglesias is a great move for them. Whit Merrifield goes from the Royals to the Blue Jays. Interesting nugget there. Merrifield was one of the 10 players that was uh, unvaccinated and not able to play for the Royals when they went to Toronto. So now that he is traded to the Blue Jays, he'll get vaccinated and be able to play in Toronto. Uh, the Yankees sent Jordan Montgomery, uh, pitcher, to the Cardinals. In return, they get outfielder Harrison Bader, very talented, fast center fielder. So that's going to be uh, interesting to see how the Yankees deploy their defense with Harrison Bader. The Phillies, in a move that I think is just, it, it really is uh, going to work out well for them. And a lot of people aren't thinking the way I'm thinking, but I like this move more than others. And Noah Syndergaard going from the Angels to the Phillies. I talked about this on last night's show. I think having Syndergaard back in the National League East, he's more he, he can kind of be more comfortable. It just never worked out with him uh, with the Angels. First off, he signed a one-year deal, kind of like a, a prove-it deal with the Angels. And with the team struggling, 
the manager being fired, Mike Trout being hurt again. It's just the situation for him was not what he signed up for. He signed up to be on a postseason contender with a great manager in Joe Madden. And obviously it just it didn't work out. And I think getting him out of that environment and back into the National League East is going to be good for him. He obviously spent the majority of his entire career with the Mets. And so pitching in all of these ballparks that he is so familiar pitching in, in all the NL East ballparks, right? Because when you pitch for the Mets, you're pitching not just at home in City Field, but in every ballpark in the National League East. I think it's going to be really good for Noah Syndergaard. Plus, he gets his former teammate in Zach Wheeler there, and now they have a, a one, two, three in their rotation of Wheeler, Nola, and Syndergaard that makes them a, a possibly a dangerous team come postseason time. The Mets. Speaking of the Mets, uh, they continue to add bats. Um, they didn't really do anything pitching wise, but they you know already had acquired Taylor Naquin, uh, Tyler Naquin, and um, uh, Dan Vogelbach, and now they get Darren Ruff from the Giants uh, in exchange for J.D. Davis uh, and a couple of prospects. So uh, the DH spot, you'll have Ruff going against lefties and Vogelbach going against righties. That'll be how the Mets will handle um, DH. Uh, the Padres, in addition to getting Juan Soto and Josh Bell, also get Brandon Drury from the Reds, who is having a uh, career year. Speaking of the Reds, they send uh, starting pitcher Tyler Molle to the Minnesota Twins. So um, Molle goes, uh, continues the sale, fire sale from um, Cincinnati. And the Phillies also got bullpen help by getting closer uh, David Robertson from the Cubs. And uh, they also got outfielder Brandon Marsh um, from the Angels. So Marsh might remind some people of Jason Worth because he's got that long beard and hair and whatnot. So that'll be uh, fun for them. And uh, the Yankees, they already made a ton of moves by getting Andrew Benintendi and uh, Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino from the A's. They And now they got Harrison Bader from the Cardinals. They traded away Joey Gallo uh, to the Dodgers. So the Dodgers taking a chance on Joey Gallo. That's pretty much the latest here at the deadline. Um, you know, the, the Blue Jays got a couple of Marlins relievers, most notably Anthony Bass is uh, the big name there. Bass has had a really good season for the Marlins. So, um, you know, the back end of their bullpen is weakened and the Blue Jays strengthen their uh, bullpen. So it's going to be fun to watch how the uh, season progresses now with all the moves that have been made and uh, players now playing in new uh, places. The current market here in Major League Baseball, odds to win the World Series. The Dodgers are uh, your your favorites. The Yankees slightly behind the Dodgers, followed by the Astros, Mets, Braves, Padres, and Blue Jays. And uh, the league, uh, winning the leagues accordingly, same thing. Dodgers are favorite in the National League, followed by the Mets, Braves, and Padres. And then in the American League, it's the Yankees, then the Astros, and then you take a step back, and it's the Blue Jays, and then there's really you know a massive step behind that. Ultimately, when I look at both of these leagues, it's the, the National League, I think, has more of an opportunity for other teams to step up. In the American League, it's a collision course with the Yankees and the Astros. I can't see anybody getting past those teams. 
Uh, if you look at the way that the bracket is going to unfold, you're going to have um, the top two teams, Yankees and Astros, getting a bye here. And the 3-6 matchup will be the Central Division winner. And just pick a team. Pick a team. Twins, Guardians, White Sox. Doesn't matter to me. That team will go against the third wild card. Third wild card could be the Seattle Mariners, or it could be one of the teams from the Central, or it could be the Red Sox. To me, don't matter. And then the 4-5 Blue Jays race. Fun series. And then if it's, you know, Blue Jays and um, Rays winner going up against the Astros, I I favor the Astros. And I take the Yankees over anybody else in uh, the other matchup. It's a collision course with the Yankees and the Astros, and I'd be shocked if it was any other two teams in the ALCS. In the National League, I think it's it's open. To me, it's the Mets, because I think the Mets' one-two punch of Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer is so much more valuable than any other team that they will face in a postseason series. The Mets, they got to hold off the Braves. That's the important thing. They're only right now two and a half games up on Atlanta, and I do think Atlanta has um, a very good chance to make a deep postseason run. But if you're looking at the way that the, the importance of pitching in the postseason, I don't care how good your lineup is. And we've seen this year in and year out, right? The Dodgers and the Yankees, two of the teams that had the best lineups in all of Major League Baseball, right? All-star in every position. The, Do- the Yankees haven't won a World Series since 2009. The Dodgers just won a couple of years ago, and that's it. Right? You know, you, got, you, you look at the teams that have gone on to win the World Series. The Braves had a great run last year. Nationals incredible run that they did a couple of years uh, ago, but also Nationals did it with their rotation. Red Sox, Astros, you know, great teams. Pitching is how you get it done. Pitching wins in the postseason, more so than the great lineups. And I think what separates the Yankees from maybe the Astros and I think why the Yankees and Astros are two teams that could easily win the World Series is the pitching. And I think the Yankees' addition, because Verlander, like Verlander and Cole, six and one, half dozen in another, right? But I look at now the addition of Frankie Montas for the Yankees gives them a really good uh, arm to slide into maybe the two or three spot in this rotation, in the postseason series. And you're giving me Garrett Cole, Frankie Montas, Nestor Cortez, and I don't know if Severino, whatever his injury deal is, but those three pitchers, throwing a fourth, whoever it's going to be, Tyone, whatever, backed up by that bullpen that has three closers in it right now. You know, Chapman, Holmes, Trevino, Efros, they just got from the Cubs. Uh, you, you got guys like Luizaga. This team, to me, has the pitching to get the job done. 
That's how I feel about the Mets as well from their starting pitching perspective. And then, yeah, even in the bullpen as well, I think the Mets, Edwin Diaz has had one of his best seasons. And, yeah, they got guys like Seth Lugo and, and you know even Adovino can get some big outs. I would rather take the Mets pitching staff rather than the Dodgers pitching staff in the playoffs. And I'll tell you what, Syndergaard going to the Phillies, that 1-2-3 combo, Wheeler, Nola, Syndergaard, the addition of Robertson in that bullpen, Harper coming back healthy. Maybe they're a sneaky long shot. Talk more about this coming up next. Justin Perry from Odds Checker will join us as well. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that cool. like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the – Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at Victory Heineken. Beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. 
Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network, here to continue the Major League Baseball conversation. We welcome in Justin Perry from Odds Checker. And what a day it was uh, with the trade deadline. Justin Juan Soto, the biggest news going to the Padres, along with Josh Bell. They had already acquired Josh Hader um, and Brandon Drury from the Reds. I think it's a very undervalued move that they added here. Do the Padres now slide up in your rankings and, to, in your opinion, their chances here at a long-term postseason success? Oh, yeah. Big time. I love the Brandon Drury signing. He is having a career year. He was playing just great ball in such a different park. So it's interesting to see how it's going to translate to that San Diego West Coast weather that we all know can sort of keep the ball in the park compared to what it's like in Cincinnati. But no, I think he's going to be a great addition. Obviously, Soto is going to be awesome to see in that park. And I think Patis is probably on his way back a mm-hmm. little more than people expected, which has given lead to a lot of these moves. I don't think they make them if they aren't confident they have Fernando Tatis Jr. back in the lineup by time, you know, late September rolls around. Yeah, I don't think they they, they make the trade expecting, you know, uh, Kim to continue to be their shortstop. So, yeah, you look at this yeah. lineup now, and it's absolutely stacked. But in my opinion, it's the pitching that has to get the job done in the postseason. When you look at this rotation and a potential postseason rotation compared to the likes of the Mets now with DeGrom back healthy and who the Dodgers, who they're going to have to go up against, where do the Padres stack? Yeah, the Padres kind of stack up a little short on that side, right? They have Hugh Darvish, they have Joe Musgrove, and then probably Sean Manea is going to be that third arm. I can't imagine it's going to be Blake Snell. We know that he's had some problems away from home uh, in the last couple of years. So it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of work that out. But it seems like they're going to be playing a little bit of that, like, we're still just going to outscore you baseball mm-hmm. and not so much like, oh, we're going to limit you to two runs in the postseason, but we're going to put up eight. And so our guy can give up six if that has to happen. And that's kind of what they're going for. Obviously, this lineup is just so stacked that you'd hope if a pitcher goes out and gives you, you know, three earned runs over six innings that you're probably going to still have a good lead once they leave the game. That's kind of the game it feels like they're playing. Yeah, and you know what? If it comes down to a Padres-Dodgers series in the playoffs, I'll take the plus money with the Padres. Yeah, no, so will I. Uh, Very excited to see it. I know I I snagged a really nice ticket on them. Last time I was on the look ahead, I think we were talking about one book had the Padres to win the West at like 17 to 1, or Mm -hmm. no, come out of the National League at 17 to 1. Yeah. Not, uh, it's going to be pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to catch. They're not going to win the division. They're 12 games no. back. They're not going to win the division. But to win the uh, National League is certainly a possibility. I, I, I'm going to back the Mets. Uh, I just look at, you know, DeGrom looked great here. Uh, and go figure, you know, DeGrom comes back. The Mets don't score for him. Same old, same old, right? He goes five innings, only allows one run, and uh, the, they're losing when he leaves the game. Uh, so... The important thing to take away from it is that he was throwing 102 miles per hour and he looked great. Now you yeah, pair no. him up with Max Scherzer. This is what the plan was this season for the Mets. I, I think the Mets have the best chance to get out of the National League. I think you really got to give them the respect. You really do. I know, yeah, today, Taylor's oldest time, DeGrom comes back. <laughs> you know, the Mets get close to like minus 300 and they can't beat the Nationals. But uh, I think that was only the, that was the second biggest favorite of year to lose so far i think the royals beat the blue jays for a bigger one a little yep. earlier this season but that was 
that was pretty rough if you took the Mets today. Uh, so my heart goes out to anyone who was on them. DeGrom did look great. I think he fired a 101.6 mile an hour pitch. He hasn't thrown too many harder than that in his career. So if you're looking to gauge how well he's throwing, I think we probably have the signs that he's back. Now, can he just stay healthy? Can they get these guys through the finish line? You know, make sure that we don't lose, you know, these generational talents because that's what the Mets are really going to rely on. They're playing that game like we're going to hold you to two runs and OK, fine. We score three, but that's all we need. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. It's going to be great. Edwin Diaz is obviously taking the league a little by storm in the last couple of weeks uh, through just pop culture and memes. Uh, who doesn't love the music? So uh, I'm excited <laughs> to see. I'm a New Yorker myself, so uh, looking forward to it. Well, the Mets are the best team in baseball after a loss, and are you looking to back them here on Wednesday, Chris Bassett against Anibal Sanchez? Yeah, I think you probably want to get your share of them. They are, like you said, incredible coming off of that loss. I do think they will get it done. Anibal Sanchez does not scare anybody. <laughs> uh, I'm looking to probably, yeah. I know, but I'm probably looking to put them together uh, in terms of like, I don't love paying up for that like minus 200, minus 220 type of juice. I just don't think it's going to be worth it out there. I'm going to look to go ahead and just put them with the Marlins tomorrow who have Sandy Alcantara on the mound. I think you can still get those two together for like some plus money. So I like putting them together tomorrow. If you are the type of person who only really bets straights, yeah, sure. Those These are probably two of the games that you can probably say, all right, a minus 200 price isn't the worst. You can probably argue there is still value on those lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Sandy Alcantara is, is essentially the runaway Cy Young, and I really don't see the Mets dropping back to back here against the Nationals. It kind of felt a little bit like a you know, a trading day Sunday vibe yeah, on, yeah, uh, yep. on Tuesday. So I think we get back to a little bit of normalcy on it with Wednesday's slate, and I'm excited to watch that parlay hit. Yeah, I think it, I think you're you're safe on both of those. Probably a Mets, maybe a run line minus a run and a half. Uh, you know, mitigate that juice a little bit. I think their offense will certainly wake up uh, from the uh, snooze that they, they. You know what? Yeah, they, they were spectators. They were just watching Degrom. That's it. They were watching Degrom. Now they don't have to do that anymore. They'll get back to hitting here on Wednesday against Sanchez. And you mentioned Alcantara, but it's not just that. The, the Mike Miner has been terrible since he came back from injury and this Reds team, I don't They have nobody now. <laughs> like this is a minor league roster they've traded away every major league quality piece that they have had this season. I guess Jonathan India is like the only one left that you could say yeah. is like of major league quality. I, you know, no disrespect to, to Joey Votto and Mike Moustakis, but you know, the rest of this team is like, come come on. They, they traded away everything here. I don't expect them to put up a fight the rest of this season. They get the win here against the Marlins on uh, Tuesday, but it was a barely, they barely escaped two to one. Uh, I think the Marlins are safe bet here, and I might lay a run line with the Marlins as well. Yeah, no, I, I think the run line has been a little risky for the team. I believe they've only covered once in their last 10 games mm. or so. Maybe I, they may, they might have covered on Tuesday night. I don't think that was into my statistics just yet. But yeah, it's not great for the Reds. Kyle Farmer, Joey Votto, the only two guys with like expected Wobas over 300, uh, which is usually a pretty good barometer for how a hitter has been going. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's not too pretty. Farmer's pretty good against those lefties. Votto obviously can pop off from time to time, but on the road against one of the best pitchers in the major leagues, I really like it. I think that, you know, uh, maybe looking for the Reds to come in under a team total is probably a smart bet. I don't think they're going to get a lot of credit, but I don't think it's, I still think it's going to be too much. If you can get like a two and a half, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Reds put up two tomorrow. Uh, Sandy's just that mean. 
And like you said, Miner's uh, Miner's been pretty rough. It yeah. has not been pretty for Mike Miner. I think every single start of the season has been multiple earned runs. Uh, it, it, you know, that's all you really got to say, right? I think his expected WOBA is in, you know, one of the bottom, like 10% of the league right now. So he's just going to give up runs. And and that's all Miami needs. They just need two or three runs. Yeah, his expected WOBA is in the bottom 3% mm-hmm. of the league right now. So Mike Miner is not somebody... I have any problem fading whatsoever. Uh, the Phillies take on the Braves. Zach Wheeler against Charlie Morton. Uh, can I interest you in a plus money uh, play here on the Phillies? Uh, yeah, you know, that's pretty interesting. I do lean that way. I know Charlie Morton hasn't exactly been infallible. Uh, I like him on terms in terms of maybe going for like going over on hit lines or hit props because he does let guys get on base, but he could use those strikeouts to sort of get out of jam. So that's some way I've been taught. I've been targeting Morton this season. And I think the Phillies lineup is hitting a little bit better, but I'm actually going to be looking to the over on this one. I think it's still out at seven and a half right Mm -hmm. now. This is truest. This is still one of the best hitting parks in baseball. I know the wind is probably going to be blowing in a little bit, which can affect things, but these teams just beat each other up. I mean, the Braves put up double-digit runs tonight. There have been at least like eight, nine, ten runs in most of their last games. I think all five of their last games have gone to double digits. So I like that over seven and a half. This is just a systemic play. You should be, especially when the Phillies are on the road, you should definitely be taking overs in their National League East games. These guys know each other. They know the pitching staffs. They get hits and they score runs when they play each other. Justin, great stuff. Good insight as always. Uh, appreciate your time. We'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Have a good night, Scott. Thanks there for having is. me. Justin Perry, odds checker. Check, him, check his stuff out. And uh, yeah, I, I like that over as well. I think uh, that Morton can give up runs. Wheeler gives up, you know, maybe two, maybe three at the most. But seven and a half is a low, low number. And uh, both of these teams do such a good job when it comes to uh, taking on uh, going against each other. There's also a couple of really good pitching matchups. Luis Castillo gets his first start for the Mariners going up against the Yankees. Garrett Cole on the hill, and Castillo was so great when the Reds played the Yankees, uh, you know, last time out. So that was that's going to be an interesting game to watch. We'll talk more about that coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is the Look Ahead here on Visa. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The college football guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over under recommendations. Plus, our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up for VSIN All Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at vsin.com slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. We'll get into a little NFL conversation coming up. Uh, Mackenzie Kramer from um, ESPN Stats and Information Researcher will join us on the program as uh, talk about some of his bets that he has placed already here or things that he likes for the upcoming football season. Sean Green from the Sports Gambling Podcast will join us. Those guys have been doing their team previews, so we're going to get into a little football action coming up in just a little bit. But wrapping up the baseball conversation here, as uh, we, we react to some of the things that we saw here at the trade deadline 
and projecting ahead to what we can expect. Uh, we're going to start to see over the course of this week um, new faces in new places, right? Players that will be in the lineup for their new teams and how it's going to affect the lines, how it's going to affect these teams. Uh, for example, um, we're going to see the Padres take on the Rockies here on Wednesday evening. Uh, Blake Snell is on the mound. There's no line out on this game just yet. They uh, Two teams just played a doubleheader here on Tuesday, which the Padres swept. And I would expect San Diego to be a very heavy favorite in what is should be um, Juan Soto. Uh, making his debut, assuming that he gets there and everything's, uh, you know, everything's all right. Um, don't know, you know, Soto, Bell, Drury, they could all be in the lineup here for the Padres, which would benefit them because they can rest players that just played in a doubleheader here on Tuesday. So you, you kind of like the Padres here against the Rockies. Um, taking a look at the Yankees, curious to see what their lineup's going to look like here against the Mariners with Garrett Cole on the hill against Luis Castillo. Yankee lineup here on uh, Tuesday. They lost 8-6 to the Mariners um, after Jamison Tyone just got tagged for six runs, five of them earned. They gave up two home runs in four and two-thirds innings. The Yankees were able to come back against Logan Gilbert and uh, actually you know, had this game um, manageable with 6-6 until the bullpen, uh, Lewis Litke, I guess, uh, took the loss, gave up a, a home run, and um, that was it. Yankees could not come back there after the uh, seventh inning, and the Mariners added an insurance run in the eighth. But the Yankee lineup was LeMahieu, Judge, Rizzo, Carpenter, so that was everything was normal there. Donaldson, Benintendi, Trevino, IKF, and Hicks. Normal lineup, no Stanton. Uh, Glaber got the, the, the night off or whatever. But now moving forward for this game, how do the Yankees roll out their lineup? Will we see Harrison Bader who uh, play? Probably not. I think he's still on the IL, actually. I don't know. I got to double check that. Let me see. Is Harrison Bader still on the IL? Harrison Bader, IL. We'll find out what the... Plan currently unclear. All right, we'll find out what's up with Harrison Bader. But I guess when healthy, Harrison Bader will be playing center field for the Yankees. Um, I'm curious, and I can't wait to see what the pitching looks like as well, how they roll out, what the pitching staff is going to look like. Bullpen usage here for the Yankees. F. Ross did make his uh, pitching debut. He gave up one hit. No strikeouts, no walks, got two outs. Trevino also made his debut. He got one strikeout, no hits, no walks, and got two outs. So both Efros and Trevino made their Yankee debut, and both of them combined for um, an inning and a third, one hit, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. Yankees are going to be dangerous. They are going to be among the, uh, obviously, they're the favorite to win the World Series. Well, the Dodgers are, but I think the Yankees are the team to bet on right now, even at the short number. Blue Jays are going to be a a fun team to watch down the stretch here as they are making a push for to secure a wild card spot. 
Blue Jays with an early game against the Rays. You say Kikuchi against Jalen Beeks. Uh, Kikuchi was a guy who we were betting against a lot earlier this season because he was awful. Absolutely awful. He was getting hit hard. His, his barrel rate was through the roof. He had one of the highest average exit velocities in baseball. He goes to the IL. He's hurt a little bit. Hurt. I mean, the guy had to correct himself. He made his first start from the IL back last week against the Tigers. And granted, it was the Tigers, but he still looked good. Five innings, two hits, just one run allowed, but that one run was a home run. Like, this dude just gives up the long ball. It's amazing. He did strike out five. Uh, the Blue Jays were able to get a win. Now, how do they do here against the Rays? Uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see um, Tampa be able to hit uh, Yusei Kikuchi. I believe earlier this season, um, Tampa got oh six innings, one run against Tampa. So that was a good start. That's the only time he's faced them this season. So there you go. Kikuchi with good numbers against Tampa earlier on this season. Uh, Phillies, I think they're worth a look here on, on Wednesday. Not only is it Zach Wheeler on the hill, but uh, I, I would assume David Robertson would be available to pitch out of the bullpen for them. And uh, they also, you know, get Marsh in the in their lineup. So I think the Phillies could be an interesting um, team to play on after a, this blowout loss. And I know, okay, they get blown out. It happens. Now I think after the trade deadline, because this was also a bullpen day for them, and I think they expected to kind of get eaten up. Now Corey Knable got the, the worst of it, but this is now a regular game. I think it's a different, and what I mean by that is I, I feel like these players have a different mentality when you go into a game knowing it's a bullpen day versus a day where they have their ace on the mound. And you just got to throw out the result here from Tuesday and just look at the Phillies going into this game against a division rival. They're fighting for playoff seating. They're with the Braves right now, battling for wild card spots. You got your ace on the hill. Your your front office went out there and and made acquisitions here at the trade deadline to make you better. I think this team comes out motivated and plays well here on Wednesday behind Zach Wheeler as opposed to the way that they looked on Tuesday when you're going into a game against a, a really good pitcher in Spencer Strider and you just know it's a bullpen day. It, it, it's tough. It's a tough uh, mentality to go in knowing that, hey, we're probably not going to get the win today. And it's okay. You play 162 games. It happens. Sometimes you go through, you go into a game and it's like, eh, we're not going to win this one. It's like uh, teams go into doubleheaders like that all the time where it's just like, you know what? Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna lose one of these games. Or maybe both of them in the case of the uh, Colorado Rockies. I believe I saw a stat, by the way, Colorado after losing this game to um, the the doubleheader, losing game one to the Padres, I believe it's 15 straight game ones of doubleheaders that the Rockies have lost, which is an absolutely wild trend, by the way. 
a- absolutely just insane. Uh, teams that I do expect maybe to get a little bit of a, um, uh, uh, a, a jolt here at the deadline. Talked about the Blue Jays. Um, I think the, the um, Nationals, I would certainly fade despite the win here against the Mets on Tuesday. I would fade the Reds as they kind of just sent everybody packing. Um, the Cardinals... I mean, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. They're going to battle for the the Central. Brewers and the Cardinals, it's a two-team race. I think I'd rather have the Cardinals than the the Brewers. Um, Although I do like the way that the Brewers kind of, you know, I think if when Rosenthal pitches, we'll see what he can provide for them. But you lose Josh Hader, you replace him with Rodgers and Rosenthal, I think you might be okay if you're the um, Brewers, but I still like the Cardinals better in that division. And uh, the Angels, well, I mean, Otani's on the hill, but this team is just not, they're not competitive. Uh, I don't like the Angels. Padres would be a play for me, though, depending on the line, because I think the new players will be in the lineup on Wednesday night. But we have to wait and see. Uh, We'll get more into uh, baseball, but we're going to talk football coming up next. Mackenzie Kramer from uh, ESPN Stats and Info Researcher will give us some of his prop plays coming up this season. This is The Look Ahead on Beeson. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my (laughs) Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O.
baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon, made brighter. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining me now from ESPN Stats and Information, researcher for the Daily Wager. He is Mackenzie Kramer. And after the trade deadline, Mackenzie, uh, any thoughts changing on your Major League Baseball futures, teams that you like, maybe teams that you don't like here after the deadline? Yeah, Scott, thanks for having me on. Uh, two teams that kind of caught my eye with the trade deadline, I would say the Mariners and the Twins. Uh, obviously, the Luis Castillo deal with the Mariners giving them, you know, a, a solid one-two uh, punch in the top of the rotation with Castillo and Gilbert. Robbie Ray's been pretty bad this year, but if he can somehow get it together, that's a decent one-two-three. And, you know, they've been one of the best teams in baseball for, you know, a good month and a half now. So you can still get them 50-1, to 55-1 to one to win the World Series. I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to do that, but, uh, you know, they have a 1.8% chance to win according to Fangraph. So, you know, there, there, there might be a little bit of value there if you can get a 50-55. to 55. I mean, I think that they got probably got to beat the Blue Jays for that first wild card spot. Uh, they're four back in the loss column right now, but they have the easiest remaining strength of schedule in baseball with 28 games left against the Angels, A's, Tigers, Rangers, and Nationals. So, you know, Mariners are a bit of an intriguing team down the stretch. Uh, the other team in the AL that was uh, fascinating to me was the uh, Twins. I thought the Twins did exactly what they needed to do at the deadline. They needed to shore up the back end of their bullpen. I thought they did that uh, with Fulmer and Jorge Lopez. And then they got a rotation pitcher in Tyler Molly. You can really help them out. I mean, you get Molly outside of a great American ballpark and he's been a pretty good pitcher on the road in his career. So those are two teams that uh, have caught my eye at the deadline. I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to make a bet on either one though. I've been eyeing that twins AL central uh, bet for a while. Plus plus one thirty is what I'm seeing right now. That's a little bit short. I was hoping to get like a plus plus one fifty just because you have a three team race there with the uh, guardians and white Sox, But, those are two teams that kind of caught my eye at the deadline. All right. I know you're somewhat of a Jersey Philly guy. So what about the Phillies and uh, bringing Noah Syndergaard and David Robertson in as well as Marsh? Yeah, I mean, Marsh is obviously going to help out their lineup a lot. Syndergaard's been, been so hit or miss this season. I, I wonder if getting him back in a, uh, you know, kind of a, an atmosphere with a team that can actually compete, especially when you get the Mets in that division, that can kind of motivate him down the stretch. But I don't know how much Syndergaard's really going to help that rotation. No. I mean, he'll help them a little bit just because they need some bodies out there. But, uh, you know, I, I like what the Phillies did. I'm not sure if it's quite enough to uh, move the needle that much for me, though. Yeah, I think it's the best thing that could have ever happened to send the guard because, you know, it, it's it's so depressing when you sign with the team because they are going to be a contender. They have an elite manager. The manager gets fired. One of the star players gets hurt. The team stinks. And uh, you're just left in purgatory. So I think getting him back in the NL East, uh, pitching in ballparks that he's certainly comfortable pitching in and reuniting with his former Mets teammate and Zach Wheeler, I think is the best move for him. So we'll see. I think you're going to get a very different Noah Syndergaard for the rest of the season for the Philadelphia Phillies. I could definitely see that, but uh, I still got to believe it before. I, I got to see it before I fully believe it with that Syndergaard. <laughs> All right. You're doing your uh, football prep now. The Watson ruling comes down. He's going to miss six games, and they're favored, the Browns are, in five of the six games that he is going to be out. So even with Deshaun Watson missing these six games, are the Cleveland Browns, in your opinion, a playoff team? I think that they are a playoff team because, you. I mean, like you just said, 
the first few games, Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, you know, the Falcons, those are four games that are very, very winnable, every yeah. single one of them. And I think the Browns roster is extremely good outside of quarterback, which is why the idea of adding a guy like Deshaun Watson on the field is so intriguing because he, sh- he was such a good player in Houston. And that's exactly what they need to kind of take him to the next level. Obviously, the, you know, the off field stuff is horrible and he should have gotten a longer suspension. I think we all agree with that. But, you know, it, but as it is six games, I, I think that the. I think that they'll be able to go three and three, four and two, maybe even five and one without him. And if they do that, I think that they have more than enough on their roster with percent to uh, to stay afloat. And then once once he's healthy, I think that they're one of the best teams in the AFC. Uh, the other news in the NFL was Debo Samuel getting paid. And I said last night, and, and I'm going to back it up here. I think Debo goes under his receiving total this year. And I think there's an interesting way to play this because part of my reasoning is I don't trust Trey Lance. And I think that he actually rushes the ball more than he did last year. What's your opinion on Debo and the 49ers? Um, One thing I thought that was pretty interesting with that contract, you mentioned the rushing, that he's got an incentive in there for rushing for over 380 or more yards. You can kind of look at at that one or two ways. It could be, you know, late in the season, you know, maybe they'll want to give him the ball, ball on the ground more in the year to have him, to get him that bonus. Or on the other hand, it could be a reason for them to, you know, we've seen Debo say he doesn't want to run the ball more. Maybe that's a reason for the team to kind of be like, all right, he doesn't want to run the ball more. We don't want to give him this bonus. Maybe we'll keep it down. So I, I'm, I'm, I can take it either way with that. But in general, I like unders. I mean, I like to bet unders for all players. i like, I, I probably made like 10 or 15 futures bets this year, and I think they've all been unders. In general, I just think that if you're betting an over, you, you're counting on the guy to stay healthy. And if, you know, in the NFL, anybody can get hurt. And Debo Samuel has an extensive injury history. Even last year, he played through a bunch of injuries. He gets hurt pretty much every year, even dating back to college. Then you put Trey Lance in there. I think this will be a very run heavy offense. I think you have way more outs for this uh, receiving yards prop to go under than you do over. All right, give me a couple of unders that you've already played. Uh, a couple unders I've already played. Um, Miles Sanders, I saw his rushing touchdown prop at six and a half, eight or five and a half, depending what juice you want to lay. He didn't score a single rushing touchdown last season. So the fact that now he's got to get six or seven to beat you, that, that's pretty intriguing right there. Last year, he had only had six carries inside the five-yard line, fourth on his own team. Jalen Hurt takes a lot of those carries. He had 13. He's got an injury history playing only 12 games each of the last two years. So I like Sanders under on touchdowns. I also like David Montgomery under on touchdowns. I think the Bears have a chance to be the worst team in football this year. Yep. Terrible offensive line. Last three seasons, he'd done six, seven, eight rushing touchdowns. So he's usually right around that number. But the team is worse this year, and he's got better competition with Khalil Herbert, who Herbert, in limited time, every time he played in the set of Montgomery, he was much more efficient much more and much better. You put in a new coaching staff that isn't really married to David Montgomery. I could see uh, you know, him not getting the same workload he got the past couple of years. And on a low-scoring team... He's got to get eight touchdowns to beat me. I, I like that under a lot. And then uh, one other I'll give you right now on another bad team, Tyler Lockett under uh, five and a half for, uh, touchdowns. Last year, uh, Gino looked toward D, uh, DK Metcalf in the red zone. Uh, he only had one red zone target to Tyler Lockett. And I think it's a high number for a guy who's the number two wide receiver in a bad run first offense, bad quarterback play in Geno Smith. And, you know, on a team that's not going to score a lot of touchdowns and is going to want to run the ball uh, at a pretty high rate with Pete Carroll, I think uh, – Five and a half is a pretty high number for Lockett. What about some uh, long shots uh, in the, I guess, uh, leader market here for some of these uh, yardage or props or touchdown props or anything like that? 
I'll give you two, a uh, couple that I bet today. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, 100 to 1 to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns. The Patriots, they're a team that always wants to run the ball in the red zone. They were second in the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year. Damian Harris had 15 on his own, tied for second most in the entire NFL. They have the second highest rush rate inside the five, so they do want to run it. Harris is 16 to 1. Stevenson's 100 to 1. And if the Patriots have, have taught us anything over the years, it's we have no idea how they're going to use their running backs. And on a year to year basis, Stevenson showed a lot of flashes last year as a rookie. If he's able to, to cut in more into Harris's role, or if Harris gets uh, banged up, he's got a chance to do that. And 100 to 1, you know, you have to win it very often to have a chance there. So 100 to 1, Ramondre Stevenson rushing touchdowns. And then Josh Allen, who's the number one player and uh, number one quarterback in fantasy this year. I have him to have the most interceptions this year. Mm. 50 to 1, that number's available pretty much anywhere. I mean, last year, he had 15 picks. The only guys who had more were Matthew Stafford and, and Trevor Lawrence. So right, last year, he was already right up there. And the guys who throw a lot of interceptions, they're usually young guys who, you know, like the, the, the Justin Fields, the Zach Wilsons of the world, the Trevor Lawrence's of the world, who get a uh, chance to play through their mistakes. We don't really have that rookie quarterback this year. And Josh Allen, he's going to play all 17 games as long as he's healthy or if the Bills haven't clinched everything by week 18. So he's going to play a lot and he's going to throw a lot. He throws down the field. He was seventh in average depth of target last year. So he takes chances down the field. I, I think at 50 to one, I mean, <laughs> there's only 32 teams in the league. So he's, you know, he's less likely to win it from the average quarterback. And I think Josh Allen's going to throw the ball at one of the highest volumes in the NFL. And, you know, he's got, he maybe gets a bad uh, luck year with the interceptions and, uh, I kind of like that bet on Josh Allen. That's an interesting bet. I mean, not a lot of people wouldn't think to pick, you know, one of the elite guys like Josh Allen. But, I mean, you're looking at it 50 to 1. I mean, there are worse numbers that you could play. Mackenzie, appreciate the time and the conversation. Good luck with all your bets. Thanks for having me on, as always. There he is, Mackenzie Kramer, ESPN Stats and Information Researcher. Uh, does a great job there for them. Uh, yeah, you know, I, Josh Allen, I'm, listen, I'm high on the Bills this year. Um, could he lead the league in interceptions? Listen, 50 to 1. 50 to 1. I'll take anything. 50 to 1. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air. S C O T T S O N A I R. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, Sarah. I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeart Country Radio discover more shows and movies for free 